Hey there, everybody. Welcome on into episode four of The Sco Show. My name is Mark Schofield, back into the big chair, proudly a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network and brought to you by the great folks at SB Nation. On today's show, episode four of The Sco Show, yes, we are creeping higher and higher into the episode numbers. Sooner or later, we're going to get into double digits. That's going to be a big day. What we're going to do today, a conversation with Taylor Kyles, Pat's pulpit writer extraordinaire who does tremendous work breaking down film. Some of his Twitter threads are like must-consume bits of information. He breaks down clips. It's incredibly informative. You have to follow Taylor on Twitter at tkyles39. So we're going to have Taylor on in a little bit. Also, we're going to talk about what I'm going to be watching for as the Patriots have preseason game two against the Tennessee Titans. That's this weekend, so we'll be talking about that. I'm going to talk about a piece I wrote about Derek Carr. Again, this is a Patriots show, but I drift off script a little bit. So I'm going to talk about that and do some other things at the top. But first, your cavalcade of reminders. Please do follow me along on Twitter, at Mark Schofield. Check out the work a variety of places inside the pylon.com. Pro Football Weekly. The aforementioned Matt Waldman rookie scouting portfolio at mattwaldmanrsp.com. And of course, that terrific triumvirate of SB Nation websites where I do work. Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation, where I co-host the QB Sco, with QB Sco Show. Bit of a tongue twister there with the venerable Michael J. Kist. And of course, Pat's Pulpit, where you find this show and a bunch of other shows. And I've gotten a lot of questions Mark, where can I find your show? Subscribe to the Pat's Pulpit podcast feed, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. That's where you get this show and all the great shows we're bringing to you from Pat's Pulpit. It's part of the Pat's Pulpit podcast network. So please, mash that subscribe button. Tell your friends, tell your loved ones, tell strangers on the street where to find us. Because I'm pumping out great work all the time. I mentioned that we're going to do some things at the outset. I've said before... When I was hosting Locked On, now here that I always view this sort of as your show. I like to sort of talk about what you want to hear. And I always offer, look, my email, mark.schofield at insidethepylon.com or the now Sco Show Slack channel where you can get an invite. Shoot me an email, send me a message on Twitter to get an invite to the Slack channel where we have fun stuff going on all the time. And I I do genuinely love hearing from people, interacting with, with listeners, Um it blows my mind that people would not only listen to me, um, but then take the time to like interact with me. I got just a phenomenal email from Angel Ortiz, who's a listener to the Locked On Patriots podcast, has now come over to listen to this show. Um, just a wonderful, warm and friendly and just just a beautiful email. Um, from Angel Ortiz, who lives out in the western part of the United States, just talking about the show and how he loves to listen to it and opening up his home and his, his family opening up their home to my family if we're ever out in that part of the country. And Angel, if you're listening, I hope you're listening. Um, but if you're listening, believe me, we if we make it out west to that part of the country, I, I, I love that part of the country. I spent some time there as a kid growing up. Um, we would love to take you up on that. Um, but your email just really touched me. It, it was beautiful. I loved reading it. I mentioned it, talked about bits of it with my family because I got it around dinner time. Um, just tremendously touched me, Angel. Just beautiful email. Thank you so much for sending it. Thank you so much for listening. And again, you know, if others out there want to reach out about anything, please do hit the email button, mark.schofield at insidethepylon.com. Twitter DMs, smoke signals, however you want to interact with me, I'm always happy to do so. Um, also, 
I did mention again the Locked On Patriots Slack channel. Always conversations going on in there right now. This morning, people are talking about personnel sets, twenty personnel, twenty personnel packages with James White and Sony Michelle. So it's fantastic stuff in there. But what really tickled me yesterday was there was a discussion about potential cuts and moves that Belichick like might make, and Andy Likens. Um, likened Bill Belichick to the parent that replaces the goldfish while you're away at camp. You know, I'm sorry this happened, but we just move on, right? And Mattia Rizzo, another member of the Locked on Patriots Slack channel, responded, yep, and he doesn't even lie about it. Quote, he died, here's a new one, now go watch the game tape. I thought that was hilarious. Um, I just wanted to give Mattia a shout-out. Again, you can be part of this, the hijinks in the SCO Show Slack channel. Um, so hit me up for an invite. Um, we can get you set up over there. I did want to mention briefly, because again, this is a Patriot show, but as I said, I stray off script from a while, from time to time, a piece that I collaborated with Dwayne McFarland on over at the Matt Waldman Rookie Scouting Portfolio. Dwayne, you can find him on Twitter at D-W-A-I-N-M-C-F-A-R-L-A-N-D on Twitter. He's a writer that does tremendous work in sort of data analysis um, works over at Matt Waldman's RSP, does work for footballguys.com, um, co-hosts the Fantasy Football Podcast. Um, he just does tremendous, tremendous work. And since he and I both write over at the RSP, he approached me like two weeks ago with an idea. He's like, look, I've been digging into Derek Carr's numbers, whether it's v- pressure or clean pockets, play action versus non-play action. And his basic hypothesis was this. Derek Carr struggles with process and speed. And Dwayne said, look, play action plays are usually a cheat code for quarterbacks. Like if you look at most quarterbacks, their numbers take a big jump when they use play action versus non-play action. Carr, it's almost the inverse. Like his league averages on non-play action plays, I mean his averages on non-play action plays versus play action plays are just diametrical opposites to the rest of the league. His numbers usually take a dip when they use play action. As he found, as Dwayne found, Carr averages 1.7 yards less per attempt than the NFL average over his career. Even after normalizing for this, the average NFL quarterback averages 17% more yards per attempt on play action. Carr only gets a 2% increase. And his numbers dip on touchdown passes per attempt versus the 19% increase the rest of the league enjoys when they use play action versus non-play action. So his idea was, look, Sometimes on play-action plays, you turn your back to your defense. You don't get to see the full pitcher because you're carrying out a play-action fake. And so it asks quarterbacks to do more from a process and speed standpoint. And I've talked about this a little bit on this show and other shows already. So it's like, look, we've got numbers. Does the film back it up? So why don't you watch some film? We'll see if it jives with the numbers I've found, which I thought was a brilliant idea from Dwayne because this is part of where you can get that overlap between film and data that sometimes you don't see. Those of you that spend time on Twitter, you often see a tough little tension between the film world and the data world because you know people will say one thing in the film world and people say another thing about that same concept in the data world and never do the two meet. And so I thought this was a great way to sort of put the two together, have a question, have a hypothesis, try to answer it with film and data. And so, thanks to a dear, dear friend, I was able to get a printout, a spreadsheet of the 110 plays that were deemed to be 
play-action attempts by Derek Carr. So I had the plays to watch. I didn't have to spend, you know, an obscene amount of time watching his entire season. I could just watch these 110 plays. So I sat down, and it took a while because, you know, it's summer. Got a lot of going on, moving, all sorts of things. Busy, busy time. But I finally got done, watched all these 110 plays, and I agreed with what Dwayne found. And what was interesting was if Derek Carr, and you could read the piece, I'd invite you to read it. I'm proud of it. I'm proud of the work with Dwayne. I think it was a well-done piece at mattwaldemanrsp.com. And I've got like 10 video clips in there. If Carr is able on play action plays or on plays in general to go to his first read, if he can have the answers to the test, which is something that uh, Jimmy Moore, who also does work over at the Matt Waldman RSP, if he has the answers to the test before the test begins, he's great. You know, if he knows the defense that's coming, if he knows the route, the primary read is going to be there, he can be a very good quarterback. But if he's forced to get to a second read or if he's pressured or if he has to create a little bit, then it's a bit more of a roller coaster. And I found some plays where he knows he's getting single high coverage. He can run four verts, easy throws, easy touchdowns. He looks like the MVP candidate people thought he was a couple of seasons ago. But then, if he has to come to that second read, like he had a throw against the Chargers on like a second and goal from the one, where they come out in jumbo, they go play action, he's trying to throw a corner route to the tight end, to the backside tight end, and that's covered. And then so he backpedals a bit, tries to throw a post route to the middle of the field, he's under pressure, and he throws it right to the middle linebacker, like between the five and the zero on his shirt. Like, these are the kind of things that he does under pressure or when he's forced to go to a second read. He had another play-action play against the Dolphins where they went Yankee concept. Dan, for those of you playing the Scotia drinking game, Yankee conference reference, Yankee Yankee concept reference. That's a two-man max protection route where you have a deep post route and an over route coming from the other side underneath it. He gets pressured, he climbs the pocket, and then forces the throw on the deep route into triple coverage, and Amari Cooper had seen the triple coverage and basically gave up on the play, and it's an easy interception. So check out that piece. I, I thought it was well done by Dwayne and I. It was a brilliant idea by Dwayne. I hope to do more pieces like this, marriage and you know, data and film, because I think that's the next wave of analysis. It's like we don't have to be film or data. We can do it both. We can do it together, and we can create great content. Now, this is a Patriots show. The Patriots do have a game coming up. And so I just wanted to quickly run through some of the things that I will be watching for when the Patriots and Titans kick it off Saturday. Again, no injuries. We don't want injuries. Don't want any of that. No, 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 no. Injuries, bad. Healthy, good. So that's the first thing. Second thing, the top line players, and we're going to see some of them. We're going to see the Bradys, the Edelmans of the world, or probably not. Probably not Julian Edelman. Maybe not Tom Brady. But we'll watch for who, you know, who gets run early. Jacoby Myers, does the madness continue? Are people going to really sort of see him not just solidify perhaps a roster start, but now we might be talking like, is this guy going to get started time? So I want to see him play again. Isaiah, when he's participating now, is is this the week that he sort of locks down um, that left tackle spot? So that will be interesting to watch. The T position, you know, they acquire Eric Saubert this week. Matt Lacoste is dinged up. Steven Anderson is dinged up. Does he solidify the tight end job? Or are we going to see this be... 
a team that maybe goes less tight end packages than we've seen recently. So that will be interesting to watch. Jared Stidham, look, I'm a quarterback guy at heart. So if there's a chance to talk about a quarterback, watch a young quarterback, see how he's progressing, I'm going to take it. So I'm excited to see him again. Does he build off of what he did last week? Is there a step back? Again, development for quarterbacks is not linear, okay? I've said this before. I will say it again. There will be peaks and valleys along the way. He had a great game against Detroit. He might stumble a bit. Don't freak out. Don't start calling him a bust or anything. If he, like, throws a pick, things happen. I just want to see how he's progressing mentally from an execution standpoint, a process and speed standpoint. Again, like I said in the previous show, don't get caught up so much on the production numbers. Just see how he's executing. Can they contain Mariota? You know, athletic quarterbacks have tended to give defenses for the New England Patriots some difficulties in the past. This was a team that punched the Patriots in the mouth last week before the bye. I mean, last year before the bye. And so... How do they handle Mariota? Speaking of Mariota, is Mariota on the hot seat? Because we're seeing reports from ESPN this week that maybe Ryan Tannehill is going to be their week one starter. Mariota's lock on the Mariota is not a lock to be the week one starter, is how it was termed. Now, I think there's that's much ado about nothing right now. Teron Davenport, uh, Titans beat writer for ESPN, he was with Mike Reese just yesterday talking about this issue and saying, look, Tannehill was out there against the twos and the threes with the Eagles in their preseason opener. Mariota's first drive game against some of the ones, and the Eagles are a good team. And so don't read too much into it. I'm sort of in, you know, Teron Davenport's camp here. I wouldn't read too much into it. But the fact that they're talking about this, you know, Mariota's on a short leash. This is a contract year for him. The Titans have to decide what to do. It's going to be interesting to watch. So those are some of the storylines that I'll be keeping an eye on. As always, you can let me know what you'll be watching on Twitter at Mark Schofield, mark.schofield at insidethepylon.com, or via the Scotia Slack channel. Again, we'd love to have you over there. Up next, my conversation with Taylor Kyles. That's up ahead on episode four of the Scotia. Mark Schofield back with you now on episode four of the Scotia and the incredible, incomparable, Taylor Kyles is kind enough to take some time to join us now. He does incredible film work both on Twitter and for Pat's Pulpit. He's a fantastic young voice in the football media space. I highly recommend you follow him on Twitter at TKyles, K-Y-L-E-S 39. Taylor, my friend, how you doing, buddy? First of all, thank you so much. That was that was too much. That was a very nice introduction, and uh, I'm doing well, man. I'm excited to be back on. Thank you so much for having me again. It's always a pleasure. I think we need to make this somewhat of a regular semi- segment or a semi-regular. Like, I gotta say this: the idea of Tuesdays with Taylor sounds kind of nice to me. Ooh, so we might have to make that a little like bit of a regular of thing. Uh, Taylor, I want to get you on, ask you some film stuff, so, some expectations for Saturday, and all that. Let's start on the offensive side of the ball. One of the big stories about training camp has been Jacoby Myers. Has he not just made this team, but perhaps locked down a potential starting spot? Absolutely. I know. Now, I know there's that trap that we always fall into where there's the undrafted uh, rookie receiver that we all love. And, you know, we're like, he's going to make the team and then it turns out to be a dud. But this guy's different, man. If you follow me on Twitter, you know that I've been on the Jacoby Myers hype train since they got him. 
I loved his ability to make plays in college. A lot of the time with the guys that we've seen, the undrafted guys that have come in, they make some plays that are like, all right, like they may have some potential every once in a while, but Jacoby Myers is doing it on a regular basis. He catches everything. He's fearless. He used to be a quarterback, so that helps with his route running. He has the clock in his head that sometimes we hear Tom Brady talk about where he knows the ball's got to get out of his hands. I think um, Evan Lazar from CLNS even mentioned that Jacoby Myers said, yeah, when I'm running my routes, I'm thinking, all right, I got to get out of my break. So that's going to be a huge, huge factor in him uh, getting on the same page as Brady, and that's why he's excelled in training camp. He's been one of the real big standouts, and he really um, surpassed even the veterans and their first-round picks. So I don't see any way you cut this guy. He's been consistent. You saw it in college. Everything's starting to translate, and really all I wanted to do was see it you know, on the field, and it's still preseason. You know, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but I think he can be a legitimate contributor on this team. You know, Taylor, you sort of mentioned that tradition we have in New England, whether it's the Austin Cars of the world or other guys where we do sort of pump up that young, unknown, potential free agent type ride receiver. But do you think the fact that, you know, he's so new to this position and he's still learning mm-hmm. it makes it an easier yep. transition because you could say, look, there's a lot to build on here and growth and potential and ceiling could be huge. Absolutely. I think the best thing is he's a really intelligent player. So the fact that he played, as I said, the fact that he played quarterback translates directly into how you see him running his routes. He knows how to manipulate defenders, get them to open their hips the wrong way so that he can get separation. Because the reason he went undrafted, quite frankly, is because he doesn't blow you away as an athlete. You know, he's not going to take the top off like a Philip Dorsett. He doesn't have elements quickness necessarily, but He's got just enough of everything. He's intelligent, and he's the perfect Patriots receiver. You know, he gets open. He catches everything. He's fearless. He's intelligent. And, I mean, I I really think there's a lot of potential there. Maybe not athletically. You know, I think we are close to seeing his ceiling in that regard. But in terms of consistency and being able to make plays in big-time games, you know, that's what it's all about as a Patriots receiver if you want to make a name in in New England. So I really do think that we could see an interesting player in him uh, in the future. A player that's getting some attention this week as he's finally sort of returned into the fold. Isaiah Wynn, last year's first round draft choice, the offensive lineman from Alabama, from excuse me, not Alabama. Ooh, that's that's a slip up there from Georgia. Uh, is he going to lock down that left tackle spot this week? You think? A hundred percent. I mean, again, I'm going to go back to something Evan Lazar said. He reported that Isaiah Wynn said he's 100 percent healthy, and the team's really just trying to make sure they're patient with him and they bring him back slowly so they don't rush anything or but I mean we saw he was one of the most pro-ready prospects coming out of college I mean oh I think it's easy to be nervous because he didn't play his rookie season he hasn't had any NFL snaps there's a lot of things that you know need to translate but he was playing against elite competition in Georgia he, yeah. he played and he did really well um in bowl game against Alabama and I think that we're going to see a future left tackle I hope that he sticks around for a long time but I think it's going to make all this hype about Dan Skipper and the Patriots not having a reliable backup left tackle. I think we're going to laugh about it, hopefully, uh, knock on wood, because, I mean, I, Brandon Thorne mentioned it. Uh, he's great with um, offensive line, and he knows a lot about that kind of stuff. And he said a lot of most teams don't have a very good uh, backup tackle or good swing tackle because not many teams have good starting tackles. Um, yeah. So I'm excited about Isaiah Wynn. He's definitely going to be a guy that I think is going to give them uh, good presence and a consistent uh, protection and good run blocking. You know, it's interesting, Taylor. You, you see sort of the fantasy world. Sometimes they get excited about a player 
you know, they looked at Damian Williams, the fantasy world, and they thought, ooh, this could have real potential for the Patriots. But we're also seeing coming out of camp that Brady is, like, perfect when he's targeting Sony Michelle. How do you see this running back room playing out? And how dangerous could it be for defenses slash how good could this offense be if Sony Michelle is a factor in the passing game? Man, I'm excited. There's so many weapons in this backfield. Um, I think Sony Michelle, I remember we mentioned it a few times last year. We just wanted to say, hey, Sony Michelle, like, he didn't catch a lot of passes. I think he had he had less than 10 last season. But you saw he's comfortable catching the ball. He did a little bit of that when he was at Georgia. Um, I think it may, you know, take away from Damian Harris's role because I thought he could be kind of a backup to Burkhead. But if we're going to see Sony Michelle being used uh, in a more versatile role, then I think it's going to cut into that a little bit. But at the same time, they do, I think, want to be careful with how much they use him and make sure that, you know, they're not going to wear him out because we know he has health issues. But um, I think Sony Michelle's role in this offense is going to expand in terms of his, him being able to catch passes and throw defenses off because you can't key that, you know, he's in the game. He's going to run the ball. Sometimes he can pass it. He can be in those two running back uh, pony personnel packages that we saw usually with Burkhead and James White. I think they're already doing that in training camp. So the versatility in this group is outstanding. Everybody can legitimately run the ball. They can legitimately catch their threats in the, um, both phases of the game. And uh, they're going to be fun to watch. I think they're going to be the key to this offense going forward this year. And I want to ask you a question building off of that, Taylor, because a lot of people are sort of caught up on the tight end position and how they might not have a true answer there. Is the answer actually staring us right in the face and it's the running back room, that pony personnel package where they might go 20 personnel and say, look, we don't need a tight end. We'll put two running backs on the field and three receivers and attack defenses that way. Do you think that's the answer? Absolutely. I think we're going to see them get a lot more clever with a lot of their um, with a lot of their obvious passing situation personnel. What they like to do a lot was like what we said with the pony personnel. They'd have both running backs chip to help with uh, give Brady a little bit more time back there, and then they go out into the routes. I think we're going to see some of that, maybe with three wide receivers instead of the two wide receivers, and then usually Gronkowski that we used to see. And I also I'm trying to get this hype train going. I think we're going to see more ten personnel, which means uh, yeah. one running back and no tight ends, because the, if you think about it. Nikhil Harry in the slot could give you a very yep. similar presence to a big body tight end over the middle. He's faster. He's a better route runner. And Benjamin Watson, I think he's definitely going to have a role because sometimes, you know, you're going to have to have him in the chip, give Brady a little more time, things like that. So I'm not saying they're going to completely go away from that 11 personnel they usually use. But I think we're going to see more uh, four wide receiver formations. We saw some against Detroit and more, as we said, with the uh, two running backs as well. You know, Taylor, I saw this somewhere, and I think it's a brilliant idea. I think when they want to be, say, in November, December, where they envision this team as a 10-personnel team with Gordon and Thomas on the outsides and Harry and Edelman in the slots, I think that might be where they want to go. That would be excellent. I think, And I like the idea of them using more big bodies because – I think it's a testament to just you want Brady to get a little more leeway. You know, yep. sometimes he can just throw it up there and have guys make big plays since, you know, the Patriots don't usually go with burners. They have one in Philip said who's a legitimate 4-3 guy, but they usually use him on more underneath stuff. I actually think he is going to have more of a role than people realize. We really saw Philip Dorsett come on late in the season um, from the – usually he was playing the Z position, so he was off the line. They could move around a little bit. Uh, we saw him being used on double moves. He scored a couple touchdowns late in the season on those. Um, he's really good at running the hitches and the out routes that just get you easy first downs, consistent yardage. So, I mean, there's there's a lot more depth in this wide receiver room than I think it's get, getting credit for, especially when you consider the guys that could potentially be coming back and the young guys that are making names for themselves. And You know, there's already going to be somebody that's cut that is a little disappointing. So, 
man, there's there's so much depth on both sides of the ball, offense and defense in this team. And let's switch gears to the defensive side of the ball. Taylor, one of the things you do so well is breaking down film via the Twitter thread. Your Twitter threads sometimes are just amazing to see. And you did a recent one on Shalee Calhoun. What did you see from him when you broke him down? I saw someone who reminded me, honestly, of a bigger Jamie Collins in the way that we kind of see him when he's playing the edge position. He's, I think he's Jamie Collins if Collins were better with his hands. Usually when you see um, Jamie Collins on the line of scrimmage, He's either using a speed move or he's really just kind of trying to bull into guys. He isn't really conscious of, you know, attacking the wrists and the elbows and making sure he keeps himself clean, which is where I think he can struggle a lot of the time. And Calhoun is excellent at that. His big thing is he's not the biggest edge player, so he's not going to overwhelm guys a lot. But he's excellent with his hands. He's quick off the ball. He's really athletic. He's got good um, change of direction ability. And he's really good at waiting until the offensive lineman shoots their hands and then attacking those to get past either with usually he went with either a bull rush, a speed boot to the outside with a rip to finish. And then um, on the inside, he used uh, he would cross the lineman's face and swim. He was really good for all of those. Um, the big thing that I saw with pass rushing that he could maybe work on are his counters when he goes to his speed boot because he'll kind of be forced to run the arc sometimes, which means he gets behind the quarterback and you don't really see him do anything to recover and put himself in a position to make the play afterwards. But he does have excellent versatility. He can uh, cover really well. He played inside linebacker. He played on the interior, actually, uh, quite a bit in 2017 and held up fairly well. He's just big enough to really hold his ground and not get pushed around too much. Um, so he's an interesting piece. And I think with his special teams versatility as well, he was on the return unit and kickoff when he was in Oakland. I think he could push someone like a Dietrich Wise or Derek Rivers off the team just with his sheer versatility and athleticism. Do you think that given his versatility, he might be a potential piece to use on pass rushing downs? You can kick him inside, you can move him around a bit. Do you think that might be his role? I actually, yes. I think that's where you can really unlock his potential. Now, I think we've seen a lot with guys like Akeem Ayers, is somebody that, you know, comes to mind 2014, a guy who was under the radar, but he was athletic, not a prototypical great pass rusher, but they used him a lot on twists and stunts where they accentuate on the athleticism and quickness of these guys. Now, with Calhoun, it plays perfectly to his game. He's quick, he's athletic, he can get in the gaps really quickly. He uses those hands to keep himself clean and create like pressure on the edge and sometimes inside. So I think Belichick, if he ends up making this roster, I think Belichick can use him in a lot of different fun ways. With If he can even fit into all the other you know versatile linebackers and edge types they've got on the team already. You know, similar to the Calhoun thread, when the Patriots acquired Michael Bennett, you did a similar thread on him. What did you find when you studied how he's still playing, and what role do you think he can carve out for this defense? Yeah, I think he's their Trey Flowers replacement in that he'll play sometimes when their rush packages, he'll line up at the zero technique at times. Um, you'll see him inside as a three technique in their diamond fronts or sometimes in their four-man fronts, and then sometimes on the edge, usually on earlier downs. He's extremely versatile, just like Trey Flowers. And I actually said at the time, it sounds weird considering Tra Flowers just signed this huge contract and he's the younger player. But I think Bennett, even though he's older, is actually an upgrade with his quickness because that's something that Belichick really hasn't had since Dominic Easley. And I can't remember the last time that he's had a player with Bennett's combination of quickness, uh, techniques, uh, uh, sound technique with his hands in terms of knowing how to keep himself clean, as I mentioned with Calhoun. Um, the strength. I mean, he's got grown man strength. He's not just quick. He can put a lineman on their butt, you know, if they if they give him an opening and they expose their chest as well. So he's not really had a player like that, and I can see him playing every single position on the defensive line, and he's going to be a terror and one of the keys to their uh, success on defense. 
when you think about this defense, it has, at least on paper, the potential to be great. And the strongest unit for it might be this linebacker group now. At least that's what I think. But do you share that thought? I really don't think you can go wrong with a lot of the positions on this defense. Right. But when you look at these linebackers and you see all the proven talent, you really can't go wrong. And I think you're absolutely right. When you've got guys like Kyle Van Noy, and honestly, I think Kyle Van Noy has even surpassed Dante Hightower as the straw that stirs the drink in terms of the guys in the, in the front uh, uh, five or six, whatever you know it is, whatever front they're playing. But um, he plays every single significant down for them. Sometimes they can't really play Hightower as much as they want, especially early and in the middle of the season because they want to preserve his health. But Van Noy's been extremely durable. He makes plays for them um, all throughout the year. He's huge for them in the playoffs. And then you got guys like uh, Jamie Collins, obviously, who we know he's still a freaky athlete. We saw flashes of it when he played against Detroit. Jawan Bentley, who's a young ascending player, who's really, I think a lot of us missed when we looked at him in the draft. Yeah, we really yeah. thought that, I think a lot of people thought he was a stiff guy. Um, coming from an, a defense where they really played a lot of run, you thought that that was his only role. But he was actually better in coverage in the limited uh, snaps that he played last year. He was excellent covering tight ends. He was pretty good covering running backs, although I think there's a chance to expose him if you really get an athletic running back and target him directly. But he's the future in the middle of this defense. And then even Landon Roberts. I mean, he came on late uh, last year in terms of his instincts and coverage, his uh, ability to blow up the running game. He was the key to them shutting down Casey's running game in the playoffs. I mean, I, I would agree, man. These, this, these linebackers like, may be the best crew that Belichick's had in his career. You know, you mentioned the phrase surprise cuts earlier, Taylor. And one of them... A name that's sort of getting rumbles is Deron Harmon. Do you think he's a potential surprise cut in the secondary, given how deep this team is on both sides of the ball? I've heard that, and I really think that you, when Belichick is, you know, having someone else play ahead, sometimes it just means that they want he wants to get someone acclimated to the defense. And I'm actually speaking about Terrence Brooks, who they signed from the Jets. He played a lot of center field for them. I actually studied him a bit last week. He played limited snaps for them, but he was consistent. He takes excellent angles from the secondary. He doesn't have great range, but he's got good speed. He's definitely a fast player. He comes downhill well. He can help out in the running game. And he's the one who's been taking a lot of the snaps that we usually see Harmon get. So with so many talented players in this uh, defense, and Harmon's versatility was used a little bit more late in the season. We saw him in the box a lot more. But, I mean, Terrence Brooks is a guy that I could see really doing well in Belichick's system. He's smart. He's very athletic. And, um, I mean, the proof's in the pudding. He's been playing over Harmon a lot. It sounds like he's been playing well. So I think that Harmon's role, I think you're right. He could be a surprise cut. Taylor, let me get a, get you out of here on this one. Obviously, the Patriots have preseason game two Saturday night. What are your sort of rough expectations for what we're going to see in week two? I think we're finally going to see Brady in the offense. I think we're going to get to see the starting units that they plan to roll out in the season, uh, really get an idea for what kind of what kind of personnel, where they're going to be playing people. And obviously, it's early in the season, so we're you know going to see people in roles that they may not be playing in the regular season but it's going to be fun it's going to be nice to see how the offense can participate how the offense can perform against a really good Titans secondary especially with all their young receivers hopefully uh the guys who are injured are good enough to play in that game like I know a lot of guys went down yesterday but uh, and then on the defense I mean we can see the secondary finally um coming together see how they use the linebackers I'm interested to see you know how they mix and match those guys because you know they have so much versatility um, see some see Mike Pinnell and Danny Shelton is something I'm going to be watching. See if uh, Shelton continues to play over Pinnell because that was somebody I think that was a surprise I think to a lot of us because Pinnell was really good in the limited role with the Jets and he was the projected starter. But Shelton 
I mean, he played out of his mind last week with really impressive quickness and his hand use. So, I mean, there's so much to look forward to in this game. And against a really good Titans team that's familiar with the Patriots. So, um, I'm looking forward to a good game where we're going to get a lot of questions answered. Fantastic stuff, Taylor. Just a tremendous job with the work you're doing. Please let everybody know where they can find you on Twitter and the work that you're going to be doing this season. Well, on Twitter, I'm at tkyles 39 of this season, I'm going to try to be doing more consistent breakdowns and scouting reports of the teams that the Patriots are going to be playing and the strategies that they can use to take advantage of the offenses and defenses they're going to see. So uh, looking forward to that and uh, looking forward to the Patriots possibly bringing out one of the best teams that we've seen them field in a long time. Fantastic stuff, Taylor. Everybody, please do follow him on Twitter at tkyles39. That will do it for today. I will be back next week. We'll talk a little Titans-Patriots, how that went down, and more. Until then, everybody, please keep on blessing that Patriots reign down in Foxborough.